This is the Team UOA Podcast, your interactive listening experience with the stories, tips, tactics, and tools for your ultimate outdoor adventure. Welcome to the Team UOA Podcast. I am your host, Levi Nelson, and today's episode is a pretty fun one. I got to jump on with Connor Brown, a good buddy of mine from Montana who's a guide and uh, we talked about what went on in 2020 and what we have planned for 2021. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Connor, how's it going? Good, man. What's going on? Oh, not much. Just keeping busy with work and cows. How about you? Oh, just uh, finished up some City League basketball. It's where legends are born. So, you know, got to play that every every fall. Try to stay in shape a little bit. There you go. You had a busy year. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, this year especially, uh, kind of, well, ended up in, let's see, uh, six states, uh, guiding, guided in four states, and then um, hunted in two other separate states. Wow. You started your season up in Canada, right? No, up in Alaska. Or Alaska, that's right, Alaska. Yeah. Can you start- go up there every year and... Yeah, do some uh, do some doll sheep guiding, some moose guiding. Um, working on hopefully do do some grizzly guiding here one of these years. Um, got some potential work lined up, uh, depending on how the draw went and whatnot. So staying in contact with the guy on that, and hopefully I'll be up there this spring. So uh, last year, how long did you stay up there? Oh, I uh, well, I coached our Legion baseball program this last summer, and our state tournament ended. Um, we got beat out on August 6th. So I took off August 7th. And uh, as soon as I landed on the 7th, of August got flown straight into a sheep camp and up the mountain. We went on the 8th of August and I came home, guided a moose hunt was lined up in September after doing two sheep hunts. And uh, let's see, I was supposed to be up there through the 16th, but we got done early and I got home on September 11th. Wow. So you're up there a little over a month and I yeah. suppose that, that helps get in shape for the season too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that's definitely, that's, that's the grueling portion of my season right there. Those sheep hunts, uh, we're in an over the counter unit and the, the way we do, we get dropped off on a gravel bar in a cub, set up our base camp. And then what we'll do is we'll kind of pick our route for the morning, try to spot some sheep from down low. Then we uh, go up the next day with a spike camp and I go in for, 20 days without coming out so it's just pretty much hiking around and camping for 20 straight days and then get a little bit of time off and back into the bush doing moose and then i come home so usually uh once i hit eastern montana i'm definitely ready to be guiding those elk hunts and hunting elk a little bit for myself absolutely so when you were up there um how many doll sheep were you guys able to harvest this year well this year was a really tough year so last year alaska in well we're in the alaskan range and um, they had one of their toughest winters and it killed a lot of mature rams and a lot of guys struggled. Um, I actually had my, my first guy didn't make it through the first hunt. And then my second guy, we, uh, we were able to hunt the full 10 day duration. And, uh, so it's a travel day at the front end, eight days of hunting and travel day at the back end. And we looked at roughly about 25 different rams, but never did find that mature legal ram we were on. I'd say four that I was really confident was seven. One was possibly eight, but uh, as any any sheep guide's going to tell you, 
if they don't pass two of the three or two of the required tests, probably don't shoot them, especially don't shoot them on age. He would have had to be all them man. They, they basically say if you're going to attempt to shoot them on age, which is not, um, which is not recommended, you better be able to count nine rings, uh, possibly 10, because you might be looking at a, at a false ring. And uh, one of the one of the requirements for sheep is a minimum of eight years old. And so when he when they weren't passing any other test, we just uh, couldn't risk pulling the trigger on it. So that was a fellow named Josh out of Idaho, and he's actually coming back up this next year for some redemption. We're going to be we're going to be hunting back in that same area and hopefully down one of those rams. That's awesome. And then you you gutted some moose hunting as well. Where did you guys find some success with that? Yeah, yeah, we got a we got a really good bull. Um, that was uh, Joe Biltz. He come up. He actually finished his his moose slam. Um, he's he's killed every species of moose now. He was finishing on ours up there in Alaska, and um, yeah, actually flew in, got set up. Um, my packer went in the day ahead of time, set up camp. Joe and I got dropped off, and then we left Joe down at the river to do a little bit of scouting just from camp there. And uh, Sean and I, my packer, we took off up the mountain and got up high and did some glassing and actually spotted two nice bulls, one one good up-and-comer bull, and the other one we knew was going to be a shooter. Um, I didn't figure he was going to quite make that 50-inch mark. I think he went 47, but he had three brows on one side. But real real deep palms, uh, a lot of long points, just a just an immaculate bull. Spotted him the night before. They were kind of squaring up, and they were they were within a half mile of our camp. And next morning, got lucky. We were able to get up, and he was uh, at the river getting a drink. And that hunt lasted about 15 minutes. Can't uh, can't fly and hunt on the same day. So we did our scouting that day. And the next morning, while they were still eating, I was at the river and spotted the smaller of the two bulls running, grabbed uh, Joe and Sean, and we set up a play and got back out through the willows and we were watching that younger bull and we knew the bigger one was going to be around. And, um, I snuck down the willows a little ways and <laughs> there was our, there was our shooter bull and got Joe down in position and he thumped him. Wow. That's gotta be a fun experience. Yeah. All the it's, it's uh, quite a bit of fun until you get them on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that's when the work starts. Yeah, That's when the work begins. But that was only, we got lucky only about a 400 yard pack to get him back to where we could get the plane to it. And, um, had to cross the river with all the loads, but that was that's about as easy of a moose pack as you're going to get if you don't have horses. So, I uh, we were very lucky, very blessed on that deal. So that doesn't sound very far, but that's still an all-day process, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. It took uh, between Sean and I cutting, and Joe started packing a little bit when we were getting pieces off and whatnot. And um, I think it took us about four hours just to break him down and. Uh, so we got him broke down and then it was 11 loads to get him across the river. And he was, he was just really big bodied old bull. And, and we pulled out actually, believe it or not, boned out weight with 600 pounds of meat. Um, my boss actually couldn't even believe it. So called the butcher and verified. And sure enough, we had, we had like 601 pounds of meat off him. You know, that's, that's obviously taking the neck, the rib, every bit of meat you can get off of them. So wow. picked him clean. So, so when you have um, a moose on the ground like that, do you guys ever encounter bears? You know, on a knock on wood right now, I've been lucky. I, I haven't yet. Um, personally, I haven't. Um, it, it can happen though. A lot of times, uh, like with Joe, 
once we pretty well had it had it broke down he took one load but other than that he was on he was on bear watch the whole time you know we uh he was ready to jump in there and help us out but we uh we always kind of like having one guy watching our back because obviously you're not going to move uh move a moose to a better location once he's down you got to cut him up right where he's at and uh a lot of times they're in some pretty thick stuff he was he died right there in a thicket right on a stream and so there's a lot of blood flowing down river and there's a lot of bears in that country um i mean i guess anywhere in alaska there's a lot of bears but yeah we uh we kind of have a guy stay on watch but you know up there alaska the bears are the grizzlies especially are a lot more mild tempered than what they are here in montana um montana wyoming idaho yeah i'm gonna advocate we need to get a season going i i know there was supposed to be one in wyoming and a judge got in the middle of it and shut it down and um the bear attacks continue to go up in the state of montana and there's even been units that have been closed for elk hunters um outside the park because when you're when you're taking a shot you're ringing a dinner bell and them grizzlies are coming in and down here in the lower 48, them grizzlies are not afraid of you. And that's that's one big difference I've noticed that grizzly down here, a lot of times they see you, smell you, they're going to come check you out. They're going to be curious up there. First grizzly I ever saw, we were, we were watching, it was probably six, 700 yards, big grizz, and we were on a doll sheep hunt, and we are watching him, and all of a sudden we had a wind swirl, and he threw his head up, turned, looked up where we were at, and he was on the move the other direction. And um, I, I attribute that a lot to – they know they're not top of the food chain up there versus down here. So you still got to be careful up there, no doubt, especially when you got meat on the ground. But um, there are certain places in Montana I, I won't go into bear country and spill blood because you're just you're asking for trouble. Um, up mm-hmm. there, you, you just kind of deal with them and just pay attention, keep your head on a swivel. And I don't recommend sitting down and eating a sandwich when you got a <laughs> when he got an animal on the ground and you're in a bear thicket. Uh, pretty much cut it up, <laughs> get it taken care of, and get out of there. Mm-hmm. So then when you finished up with your Alaskan guiding season, you came back down and um, guided in eastern Montana for elk, correct? Yeah. Yeah, guide down uh, John Stuver, Stuver Outfitting. Um, we're on the 900 tag here in southeast Montana. 900 archery elk tag and get we've got some pretty good ground leased up for that and get to chase some pretty amazing animals on, on some of those properties. And I got to tag along with you this year and film a little bit while you chased your archery elk. And everything I had dreamed of elk hunting, I pretty much got a witness in that five-day stretch. Yeah, we had a pretty good five days other than uh, got to check in on the Heartbreak Hotel on one of those. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, you and I definitely had a good five days. Uh, man, you did a great job running the camera. Um, got the shot. I just – uh we're still stumped on what happened there just didn't get enough penetration on the arrow hit him in a good enough spot caught a rib and that was a that was a tough one so i i really don't think that bull died after watching that footage and zooming in taking a close look um i have a buddy claims he saw that bull later on in the year he was out there rifle hunting and thought he saw a bull that looked like he had um, a little patch of hair taken out i'd sent him the picture talked to him about the shot and He's pretty relatively sure he saw that same bull later on in the year and obviously didn't have a rifle bull tag, but that's uh that's good hope. I mean, anytime you stick an animal and, and you don't get to recover him, um, you hope he makes it, you know, play the game mm-hmm. long enough. Things are going to happen. And looking back at the footage, it was good enough shot to do its job. Just, we noticed the arrow didn't look like it penetrated enough. And you and I looked for 
I don't know how long and didn't find any blood on the ground. And once we got home and you got back to Bismarck, got to really blow it up and looking at it, that made a little more sense why we couldn't find any blood on the ground where, I mean, we had him marked, had him pegged, knew right where he was at, couldn't get him recovered. And it's, uh, it's all part of the game. A lot of guys don't like to talk about it. I got nothing to hide on it. Sometimes it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was an incredible morning. Um, well, we had up until then, man, we had action every day, everywhere we went. But we, I mean, we can kind of go into it, but on that spot we went in, that public land we went into, um, got in there late. And when we snuck back to where you thought there'd be elk, you sounded off and it was, it was like the games began. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, they still like to talk out here a little bit. Um, yeah, that was a that was a pretty good day. I mean, we cat and mouse that bull, couldn't get him to turn around. That was a bugling match from the start, and I mean, we shadowed that bull for probably a good five hundred yards working that ridge, and then we got to where getting close to that boundary, and we got in that open meadow that I know they like to graze in, and couldn't do nothing about it. And the last about forty five minutes of talking back and forth with him and getting him fired up, and kind of through that last last ditch effort, and threw a couple of glugs at him, raked that tree, and boy, he turned around and he come running back in, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And completely um, upwind of, or, yeah, upwind of us, you know, we kind of set up thinking he was going to try to get around us to get our wind, and he came on a string. Yeah, he, he sure didn't circle at all. He come right in from where he'd been talking. That was incredible. But, I mean, he'd, I had heard, you know, so many stories of going out and hunting elk in Montana, and especially on public land and how incredibly difficult it was to find elk. But you were kind of the elk magnet that weekend. Yeah, I was I was able to kind of have him locked down a little bit. Um, you know, before he got here, I'd been hunting for a couple, three days, and kind of have, well, you have the old trusty spots or habitual where you just kind of know they're going to be. And then um, those first couple of days we were in them, I had, I'd been on them, been able to get into them. But once they herded up, I just wasn't able to pull Derek and Magnum out of that big group of cows they have 30 40 cows and you know it, I mean I, I'm not good enough yet to pull pull a big bull away from that many cows and so we just kind of ditched that effort on those after playing with them for a couple of days but that was a fun experience anyways on them and uh went look for went and called in a satellite six and yeah the rest was history on that one yeah that was incredible I definitely can't wait for me to draw that tag because every I, mean, I catch myself thinking about that every other moment. I mean, just the incredible experiences we had. I mean, that first night when we dropped into that public piece, um, I had joked to you. I said, I've never even heard an elk bugle in person. And I mean, it wasn't a half hour later and we were in the middle of them. Screaming. <laughs> yeah, that was a I forgot about that first night you got here and we took off out there. That was a that was a bugle fest. They were down in that bottom and. Too bad that bottom was across the fence because if we'd have been able to drop in the middle of them the way they wanted to talk that night, I, I think we might have been launching an arrow that night because they were, well, there were five or six bulls in there that were absolutely hot. There, there must have been a pile of cows down in there. That, that guy planted a cornfield down in there for a reason. <laughs> it's, they were <laughs> tearing it up yeah. down there, and he floods. He's got water running to it. He, uh, he knows how to hold the elk. We'll put it that way, and um, no hunting allowed down there, but thing is when there gets to be that many bulls in there a lot of times them satellite bulls kick off and you can catch them on that on that public stuff that you can access right up to the border so 
that's it's kind of one of those fun places to go hit because you're always going to hear them talking down in there um, when the rut's going full bore but sometimes you can catch them satellite bulls on that other side done it before killed a couple elk off off that public we were on and it's always always a good spot to check and see what's going on so yeah that was incredible then that next morning um going down to the private piece that we had permission on that was awesome even just on the way down when that bull about run into us <laughs> i knew it was going to be a good no, good morning oh yeah yeah that was a that was a pretty good week of elk hunting you hit it hit it just about right and i i was already kind of into them and told you we'd be an elk every day and i got lucky and we were an elk every day yeah that was insane so who kind of taught you how to how to hunt elk i mean just my little time with you uh shoot i wish i would have had a paper and a uh pencil to write down all the things i learned well i that old old um i guess that old saying fake it till you make it i uh got a guiding job right out of um right out of college and went up and i was doing that and he asked if i knew how to archery elk hunt and of course i told him yeah well uh (laughs) i just kind of hit the ground running with it and a couple times an old boy named glenn got to come along and he's just he had owned the outfit previously and he liked to guide hunt here there he teamed up with me a couple times and he taught me a couple couple old tricks and um other than that just spending a lot of time in the field with them and Every one of my days off, I was obviously going out and trying to hunt elk and just watching videos and how they talk and running a diaphragm. Um, I've never, I guess I've never been big on the blue reed bugles and doing all that stuff. I've always, I picked up a diaphragm because I've been turkey hunting for so long that I figured I could work a way to manipulate that. And since then, I've added a few hand calls to, to the rotation, but I don't use them a heck of a lot because um, I just, you know, I, for whatever reason, I don't ever uh, see the need to run them. Um, there's obviously a need to run them, but with the elk that we have over here, they like to get talked to quite a bit using uh, using diaphragms, so I pretty much stick to those. And Yeah, so to answer your question, I just kind of had to uh, sink or swim, hit the ground running and figure it out. And a lot of time watching YouTube videos and a lot of time spent in the field with them. And, you know, obviously when you're a guide, you get to spend those pretty much well if you want to hunt every single day you're hunting every single day between when you're guiding and your days off and that's what a lot of guides tell me or a lot of people who talk about guiding well the only problem is you don't ever get to hunt well yeah you do you just get to decide if you want to rest or if you're going to go hunting on your days off Mm -hmm. yeah you spent a lot of time in the field (laughs) yeah no no i i figured it out between let's see well because i was gone coaching legion ball out there in lewistown from august 3rd figured up from august 3rd to i guess it would have been december 31st because i i had a cat tag up way northwest montana where i first started guiding and wrapped up my guiding season december 20th um in nebraska and did some hunting over north dakota all that anyway i uh i spent four days in my own bed between that uh that time frame so it's uh, not a lot of time at home and in your bed, but I guess when uh, you do that, you can get good enough sleep anywhere, and the best naps are taken on the side of a mountain as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Absolutely. So you had a, a busy antelope and uh, deer season alone just in Montana, right? Yeah, stayed pretty busy with that. Well, finished up in Alaska once we got through elk season. I 
there at the first part of October. I usually always have a week off and I took off to South Carolina and did an alligator hunt with a buddy of mine and um, got to shoot an alligator on his place and did that. We got to hit the ocean, go fish some reds and had a good time. And as soon as I got home from that, it was uh, pretty much antelope season. And uh, well, we had two antelope hunters right off the bat and took them out and killed their goats by noon on opening day. But I had a friend from another friend from North Dakota who was in town at an antelope tag and met up with him that uh that saturday night opener and we went back out sunday and killed his buck first thing in the morning drove another 120 miles to where i'd been sitting on an antelope that i wasn't sure if i wanted to shoot or not you actually got some film of him when we were there uh elk hunting and i uh decided i was going to take him and in between there we got him a doe and killed three antelope right away that sunday and then uh just helped my dad fill his tag and a couple other buddies rolled right on in the deer season there in october and you guys crushed the deer this year i mean you guys were really successful yeah it was uh this year was a tough year it was uh we're in one of the worst droughts we've been in in a long time and thank god we finally got a little bit of snow but it might be a little too little too late could sure use a lot more of it but um in a pretty bad drought and it had a lot of the mule deer especially um congregated on the rivers and just spread out where we were finding does, but we weren't finding the bachelor groups of bucks. And we actually killed more whitetails than we usually do um, this year. It was it was pretty tough for mule deer until, until we got a snow that opening weekend. And then um, it stuck around for a week. And once it melted there in November, I mean, it got back up in 40s and 50s. And uh, once it, it filled a lot of the reservoirs and creeks and potholes, and then that rut hit and it started pushing the mule deer around. And then it was like, it was night and day difference. It was like a, you flipped a switch and all of a sudden there were mule deer bucks running all over the place there for a while. We were, we were pretty concerned with our mule deer numbers until, until that middle of November, finally the bucks started showing up, but we, uh, we, we were able to scratch them out, manage them, but how we had a 10 day stretch there at the end of the year where I think we killed a killed a buck every day between my deer, a couple buddies' deer, and some guiding that I was doing. So, yeah, and I I was in Montana at the same time you guys were out there, you and your buddies, mm-hmm. and um, I was trying to film a buddy fill his tag, and we were having the same problem. We were finding lots of deer, just nothing of size. And it was funny every day you'd send me Snapchats of the bucks you were killing. We were like, "What the heck are we doing wrong?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just. You just stay on them for long enough. You finally, I guess you finally catch a couple breaks and buddies, a couple buddies I played college baseball with. I go over there um, deer hunting with them in North Dakota archery every year. They, uh, they come out and that's when it really kind of kicked off for us. Uh, let's see, I guess Logan got a nice mule deer buck right off the bat that first day. And uh, so we took our time with it, kind of celebrated it. We knew we had six or seven days to fill Dalton's tag. Next day we go out and Dalton shoots a, an absolute, I mean a lifetime type mule deer buck, 28 and a half inch wide, got an eight and a half inch kicker off the one side, sticking straight off the back, three inch kicker sticking off the other side, kind of curly cued. And, I mean, 186 inch deer, especially in Montana is on public land is a, is just an amazing deer. Um, and then uh, that following day we got into my buck, which, just a heavy, heavy horned old thing. Um, just a really box frame, symmetrical, nice four point. And something does it for me when I see those old deer. That's that's what I I just get excited for them old bucks. And so I took him down and 
That was kind of funny. Story. That, was, that was a hectic time, but it was a good time. <laughs> I ended up shooting with my buddy's rifle because we got going late that morning and just kind of went to take a drive. I forgot to grab my rifle, so <laughs> Dalton shot his buck with my rifle because it was a little little further than what he wanted. He had his dad's old 270 from the 80s with original Bushnell scope on it, and uh, so he ended up shooting his buck with my 28 nozzler, and then I took Dalton's dad's rifle because it's still in my pickup, and I shot my buck the next day with his and just lucked into my deer and had my buddy and his wife come down from Helena, and we had some block management out. I mean, some stuff I I rarely ever hit, but there's a lot of whitetails in that country, and you wouldn't think there's whitetail up in that area. It's just when you think about whitetails in Montana, you're thinking river bottoms, you're thinking cottonwoods, you're thinking stuff like that, and just some farm ground mm-hmm. out in the middle of the open. And Quincy, my buddy Nick and Quincy, that you know Nick is Nick's my buddy and Quincy's his wife. She wanted whitetails, so we went up in that country, and how do we <laughs> spotted? Spotted quite a few nice whitetails and decided to make a play on the one. And then we run into a mule deer buck, which surprised me. Just an old thing looked like a Clydesdale, just a giant body, an old, super heavy black horn thing. And um, we're trying to decide if we should shoot him. Well, we stock on the one whitetail. And he actually was was four in the air on one side and two on the other. We had spotted him at about a mile and a half off, stocked in. Could have killed him, but decided we didn't want him. So we're coming back and Quincy decides she's going to shoot this mule deer Well, sneaking around on, on him. And here's this nice little five by five whitetail buck bedded there at a couple hundred yards. And he's laying in the CRP, locking down a doe thinking he's hidden. And uh, so we crawl up on him. Quincy shoots him. Nick says, I'm going to go shoot that mule deer. So we walk 300 yards around the corner and Nick doubles down on that mule deer buck. And then uh, I went and guided the next day and we killed killed another 28 inch wide mule deer that day and then um the guy's kid shot a just a really deep forked heavy horn narrow tall thing but just a, just an absolute stud of a mule deer so yeah we uh i guess that would have been seven bucks in five days that we we kind of wore them out so i took off that next day and went to north dakota and did some hunting for myself yeah that was that was a crazy time period. You guys were laying them down. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, well, four, uh, four of the seven were public land deer. So, I mean, did, uh, did pretty all right. Those, a lot of guys, they think end of the season, they kind of start getting discouraged and they're ready to shoot the first four corner two year old deer that runs across just to fill a tag and hold out. You can still kill them big bucks late. I mean, every, every one of them deer we took were mature and they were just real nice deer. Hmm. And then you got to kind of like you you mentioned it before, but you got to finish your year with a mountain lion hunt. Yeah. Yeah. So I, well, I did some Kansas guiding in between there. Um, it said I went to North Dakota there to finish out November. Didn't didn't have any luck in North Dakota. Passed on a couple younger deer, and um, but it was just good to get out, still be able to hunt for myself. And then I took off straight from there. And um, drove down to Kansas, a guide for Cody Cook, Heartland Pride Outfitters over there. And um, just a great outfit. Did a little bit of muzzleloader mule deer guiding and came back home. To Nebraska. Uh, on the way back, I stopped in Nebraska 
and guided uh, an AL1 foundation hunt. It's a, it's a really fun hunt. I like to do the AL1 foundation. It's based out in North Dakota there. It's Carson Wentz's um, foundation, quarterback of the now Indianapolis Colts. Uh, yeah. It's a, just a Christian foundation that they do is they um, donate. Uh, they just, they take kids on these hunts that uh, are little, little kind of, um, they've just had a rough time at some point in their life and, they take them out on these hunts and um, kind of teach them, teach them the ropes and how to do it. And it's 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 an honor to be able to guide it. I've guided a couple years in a row, and we'll be doing doing a hunt for them in Montana this next year, and hopefully going to be guiding that Nebraska hunt again um, next year as well. So hopefully get in on two hunts with those guys. But they always Cole's a great guy. He always brings over some some just amazing kids. And it's it's really fun to watch them pull the trigger and see their smile. Um, this year we had a young man who. Had, never actually got to shoot a buck for himself had um been hunting with his dad before but never got to shoot one himself got a nice white tail there in nebraska and it was a great time but yeah come home from that and then up up i drew a tag up northwest montana up uh, it's right on the border of idaho it's in the yak valley and um yeah got got a real nice tom it was a <laughs> it was kind of a fun hunt i started guiding up there with with um guy eric weir and um met his cousin ben ulrich through through that ben and i we still hunt together we hunt bears together he comes over hunts antelope and mule deer and i got to go with ben on that hunt ben has been telling me why don't you put in for that tag and so i've been putting in for that tag for about five six years and finally pulled it and that first day we hunted we cut oh i don't know half dozen tracks and he figured they were all females and Finally, at the end of the day, we run a bobcat just to do a run. And then the next day, the first track we cut was a nice tom and got to go put him in a tree. And it's kind of a cool hunt, too. I snuck my old man's 30-30 out of his safe, first ever rifle he owned. Um, he didn't know that I had it until I sent him a picture. So he worked all worked a long time on the on the farm, and he wanted to do some hunting. And my grandpa, he's big on trapping, but he – uh didn't care too much for deer hunting a lot of old farmers ranchers don't my dad he just wanted to hunt real bad so when he was 10 years old got this rifle and it was a it's marlin 3030 it was used in 1965 and so i've never shot it before so i snaked it out of his safe without him knowing about it and um took it up there and shot my cat out of the tree with it and it was a pretty cool experience absolutely so um looking into 2021 you talked a little bit about going back up to Alaska to bear hunt in the spring. Um, do you have any other big plans for this year? Well, I drew my Oregon bear tag finally. Um, I've always wanted to hunt Oregon. I was must have been 13 or 14 years old watching the Sportsman's Channel. Saw a hunt. They were in the Blues Mountains. And um, I don't know, just something about that country. I, I fell in love with it. And I always wanted to hunt Oregon. And so I started building some points for up there here a few years back. And, um, I've got a buddy, his name's Evan Cunningham. He's, he's got a, uh, got an outfit over there and just a really good dude. He's just a flat out killer. Him and I've been trying to just get together for a hunt one of these years. And he's been applying for Montana. I've been applying for Oregon and I guess I'm the first one to pull. And, uh, so I'm going to hook up with him when I go out there and he's going to keep me updated. Um, he doesn't, he's usually pretty free start of april that that's an april one to may 31st tag and 
sometimes the beginning of April can be lucrative. So I'm kind of on, um, I'm hold on that because I won't be doing any guiding till mid April. So if he's seeing bears out in April, you know, he's just going to kind of call me up. I'm going to jump on, jump on a plane or jump with a pickup, drive on out there and do some bear hunting with him. And if not, we're going to try to target sometime in May in between guiding, guiding turkeys or guiding bears. So I'll have to, have to figure that out, but I got a pretty busy spring planned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're hoping there'll be a time that uh, John and I can head out West and try to do some bear hunting. John has been able to bear hunt uh, quite a few years, but they've been going up to Montana or sorry, not Montana up to Canada and hunting over bait, but this would be a pretty cool experience to go spot and stock in the, in the mountains. Yeah. Montana's, well, it's one of the last States you can't, you can't bait in so everything out here is spot and stock it's big high country stuff and it's a lot of fun to do i've i've really fell in love with bear hunting last couple of years i've coached our legion team so my springs have been pretty busy i dedicate it straight to that and um haven't been able to do any guiding last couple of springs but used to guide bears for um mark shooty with stockton outfitters and i kind of got back into uh let mark know i wasn't going to be coaching baseball again and mark hit me up said he needed a guide so i'll be guiding back up uh for stockton outfitters again this spring um kind of just fell in love with bear hunting when, when i was working for him and let's see i've got four montana bears since then and um just kind of been on a roll with them you know personally i've got four cents and i've um, been learning a lot about bears and i'm ready to go back and be guiding black bears for them that's awesome so with you guiding up in Alaska, is there any plans in the near future for you to do some uh, doll sheep or moose hunting up there? That's, that's kind of a tough one while I'm up there. I'm just kind of there to work and trying to figure out logistics with it. It's it's kind of a mess um, with uh, with that deal. It's Well, it's not a mess. They just – Alaska takes care of Alaska first, and I don't blame them. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, if you're – the way it works is if you're close to kin – lives up there you can hunt doll sheep if you're a resident you can hunt doll sheep there's over-the-counter units you can draw if you're not a resident and you don't have a close to kin up there you have to be with an outfitter um even though i'm a licensed guide up there i still cannot go doll sheep hunting unless i'm on a guided hunt so that's uh that's uh, eventually i'll be up there getting a doll sheep but a lot of different cards will have to fall into place and We'll see. I might be an Alaska resident for too long so I can knock off the, the grizzly, the doll sheep, and the mountain goat. But right now I got got too many points in Montana to want to give them up. So I'm kind of – that's the mess for me. <laughs> that's that's the conundrum that I'm stuck at right now is if I want to lose my Montana residency due to all my points and go up there and hunt those. But other than that, moose is – you know, a, a big moose, it, it's just all in time will happen. I That's not – at the top of my list i know a, a great big old moose is at the top of a lot of people's list but for me i'm just i'm not really gunning for that one just quite yet well thanks uh connor for coming on today and it's kind of nice to sit down and bs with you i've gotten to sit and visit with you quite a few times but it seems like every time i talk to you it's, i wish i had something recording it just to get to absorb all the the stories and the knowledge that you have and um looking forward to this year i'm hoping we get to share a, a camp a time or two and, and then we'll we'll get you and john over here sometimes to get after bears i uh i'm pretty excited about about this spring should be a good spring for them they'll be out early um winter's winter's been light you know our season opens 
April 15th and I'll anticipate there, there'll be bears to be found early. And I mean, there's going to be bears, obviously, you know, it's like anything else because bears, they start rutting in June and there, there are places in Montana that are open until June 15th. Um, Obviously, the more the snows melt and the more country the bears are covering, and then they start thinking about rutting and they start moving around a lot more. And um, it should should be a real good year for bears this year. So I'm getting excited about that. Yeah, I got, got turkeys to hit up before then, and that's just kind of that's just kind of the warm up to get back into it. But uh, hit hit them up. When do you start your turkey season? So if uh, we don't in that area up on Kodiak, if not enough guys pull. Um, I'll be guiding turkeys down in um, Nebraska in April. That opens, I believe, April 17th. And I'm just there until the first part of May. I'm just just guiding in April. And then I'll have two weeks off in May to kind of go out to do my Oregon hunt if I don't have one down in April. And then um, just kind of, uh, I guess, do a little bit of hunting in Montana for me. Hopefully get you and John out here during that time. And then um, – get on up do some guiding i'm guiding may 16th or june 2nd for stockton so i've got three hunts there are three six-day hunts in that time and um just yeah getting excited to do that well thanks man i appreciate you jumping on and getting a little short run through of the season and we'll definitely be meeting up again uh for a podcast i'd like to do one um probably after our spring hunts um turkey and bear we'll probably jump out jump in and kind of go through all that and um definitely in the fall when we go through some of our other right big on, game I look hunts. forward to it but well thank you so much connor all right man you have we'll a great you. night thank you for joining us today i hope you enjoyed the content and if you did make sure to check out the ultimate outdoor adventure social media pages youtube channel and amazon prime account if there's anyone you'd like to hear or topics you'd like for us to discuss make sure to reach out I would also like to invite the youngsters ages 12 through 17 to the Raised at Full Draw camp in Bismarck July 14th through the 16th to learn about bow hunting. I will be donating a scholarship for one student to attend through a contest that I will release in the next few weeks. Please join us again next week. Same time, same place.